Welcome to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast, your guide to good food, good health, and a good life. And now, here's your host, Nutrition Network Advisor and author of the Nourishment Mindset, Dixie Huey. Happy Transformation Tuesday, y'all, et bonjour de la belle France. Welcome to or back to the Nourishment Mindset Podcast. If you are viewing this on YouTube, you'll see that I am not in my regular spot in my house. I am at a house that we share in France. This is my first show being recorded abroad. And this is really important to me because this wonderful country of France helped me come up with the very idea of the nourishment mindset. So I'm very pleased to bring you this short podcast. No guests today, y'all, here from a home that we share in France. So I first came to France when I studied abroad my junior year at Duke. I was absolutely enthralled by Paris, um, just captivated by the culture and particularly the food. I was a sorority chica um, who dragged eight-pound weights on her study abroad because I knew the French did not and still do not really have a reputation for being into uh, fitness uh, pursuits. And at the time, I was also a fitness instructor, so I want to make sure I could stay in shape. But I was also, frankly, and this, this is something I detail in my book, still dealing with an eating disorder. I wasn't anymore anorexic or what I call butt bulimic from laxatives. I was exercise bulimic. Um, And so I was doing way too much walking and running all over the capital. But hey, it was a wonderful way to get to know the city. And something that really captivated me were these gorgeous Parisian women. And they weren't lifting weights or running obsessively. They seemed to be eating food and just getting better looking by the day. And so it definitely got my my attention. That was the first time. And I've returned to this wonderful country many, many times since, both for work in the wine industry as well as pleasurable vacations. This for me is uh, où je trouve mon cœur, uh, where I, I have a piece of my heart. Um, now, this house here that we share in Chateauneuf-de-Pop, this is at least 400 years old. We bought it. Uh, Chateauneuf-de-Pop, by the way, is near Avignon in the south of France in Provence. We bought this for a steal, a price of a very simple Honda back in 2016. So contrary to what some of my friends joke, this is not a chateau. <laughs> this is not a luxurious abode. But man, is it a fabulously pleasurable place. We've been here many times since we bought the share of this house in 2016. And I uh, I detail this in my book. Uh, you know, some dudes get a Porsche or a second wife for their midlife crisis. But my wonderful husband, Patrick, bought a share of a house here in his favorite wine region, Chateauneuf-du-Pape. So... The thing to know about this country, I mean, there's much, of course, but this country loves food. Un grand amour de la, des repas et de les plaisirs de la table. And here in Provence, the markets, they are a wonder of sight, sound, taste, 
even we have found, this is our first time here in the winter, even in the winter where you don't have the bounty of the summer markets and the produce, it's it's really a party for the senses, y'all. The French culture knows that food is, is an intimately important aspect of how they live from cultivating growing the food, to sourcing it, to preparing it, and the most fun part, savoring the food. So for example, y'all, we just celebrated New Year's Eve, La Réveillon, uh, with some friends here that we are honored to have. Uh, it was a five-course meal that began at 7.30 p.m. and ended, it could have gone later, but we politely excused ourselves about 1.15, so six hours of food and there were pauses in between. There was much conversation. It was, and always is, absolutely incredible. And by the way, I would like to say, oh, well, that's just because it was New Year's Eve. No, the first time we went to their home for lunch, it was about a five hour ordeal. So the French take food very seriously. How in the world does this relate to the nourishment mindset? You might be thinking. And especially since I'm the one who says that I'm on a metabolic mission to help you elevate your health through real whole foods and sound healing practices. So what in the world does France have to do with this? There are two critical things. Number one, ingredients. Critical, absolutely fundamental, real, whole, fresh foods, organic whenever possible. The second is the savoring aspect. This is what most sort of health, food, fitness people, in my opinion, miss in the U.S. This is what differentiates the nourishment mindset from others. This savoring aspect. That's my secret sauce, y'all. And it's not so secret because I talk about it all the time. It's the pleasures of the table. It's, it's as simple as that. This doesn't mean that it's a fancy table. It just means that you enjoy your food. When we don't enjoy our food, it becomes either robotic or a source of tension or, or many other things. I see this with clients all the time. The fact we are here to enjoy, that's something that the French believe intimately. So, I have lived, worked, and dined many times with the French. This is a big, this is a massive part of my realization um, as to one of the main reasons the U.S. population is suffering is this complete lack of tableside pleasure. So I'm going to pull up a little part of my book and I'm going to read it here on the screen, just a little section to give you an idea. There's much more in the book about the French culture and how it's influenced me. So here we go. I once found myself seated under a lush lunchtime pergola in Bordeaux, France for Vinexpo, a major global wine industry affair. I had finished eating and just looked around. Trim people were speaking at least four different languages. All had a few wine glasses in various stages of fullness or lack thereof. Laughter filled the patio. And despite our having already had two courses over the last hour and a half, in the middle of the workday, a gigantic tray filled with all manner of cheeses appeared. What the hell was going on? 
Was I in an alternative universe where the more and longer you ate, the thinner you became? This was contrary to everything I had ever been told by coaches, nutritionists, doctors, and even the FDA. This is an example of how I have cultivated my own nourishment mindset, borrowing from a number of cultures, but mostly France. Uh, it was these realizations and looking around, you know, what what is it that's different about this? It's not just the food. It's this pleasure, le plaisir de la table. Super important, y'all. So one of the chapters in my book that is being released this January. So if you're not a subscriber yet, go to favorfat.substack.com and just sign up so that you'll get the advance notice of the release coming up in weeks. One of my chapters is called Porkers en Provence. And the joke here is that while we in the U.S. have over 75% of our population being overweight, including over 40% obesity rate, they have much less incidence of this in France. It's not even um, a fair calculation. I have the up-to-date numbers in my book. We, in the in the past, in the U.S., have talked about the French paradox. And for you uh, listeners only, I'm holding up and enjoying a sip of wine. This was an idea promoted a couple of decades ago that, <clears throat> pardon me, the French were these freaks that could enjoy wine and butter and cheese and just, you know, they have low rates of heart disease. And what gives? Is it superior genetics? This whole idea of a French paradox is complete and utter bullshit, okay? They don't have a magic gene that lets them enjoy, quote, fatty food and avoid heart disease and stay trim. The reason they do all of this, the reason there is a French paradox, that's so American. It's a paradox because it's bizarre to us, because we believe that saturated animal fats and fat, dietary fat in general, is evil, that they must have some thing, this mutation that allows them to basically defy the odds. And it's not that. It's exactly how they live. It's not a paradox. It's their culture. Okay. So... A few things. I can't get into all of it in a short mini cast, but I'll give you a few stats. You can get the book and learn more for yourself. For example, 2015 Bureau of Labor Statistics shared that Americans spend just about an hour per day at the table. And of course, these are averages, so probably less during the week, more on the weekends, maybe more at dinner. But the French spend more than double that, over two hours a day, enjoying not just food, but conversation and le plaisir de la table. Also, we spend historical lows on food, y'all. 6.5% of our income on average, household income. The French double this at at least 13%. Another thing that's very beautifully pictured in one of Bourdain's episodes is the difference in French schools. So whereas a French school has a menu and tends to have a chef and has real whole foods served in two or three courses for the lunchtime, and of course takes much more time. My own child 
has about 15 minutes, I think, for lunch and 15 minutes for recess. Could be 20. French children actually sit down and eat fresh food. We serve our children absolute garbage, rotating between pizza and hot dogs and pancakes and hamburgers and just absolute junk that's delivered in a truck. French kids, kids rather, eat food that's actually prepared. It's sourced locally and it's prepared in the kitchen of their schools by chef. Wow. Check out that Bourdain episode. This cultural education around food starts early. It's not just in the schools for kids. So for example, I once saw a preschool field trip when I first lived in Paris in college. This preschool field trip had teachers bringing children to an outdoor Parisian food market, and they were teaching them how to select an apple. It was the fall. So presumably these were apples from Normandy, which is famous for apples and Calvados, the, the liqueur made from apples. The kids were learning how to pick up, how to feel, how to smell the apple before they bought it. And this just, sama bouleversé. This, uh, it was like a, a truck running over me. I'd never seen anything like this in the U.S. The concept was foreign, but I immediately got it. The cultural education starts very young. So some other observations that I have, and again, more in the Nourishment Mindset book coming out next month. This month, oh my gosh, it's already January. I'm still stuck in December. We did just celebrate New Year's Eve. So other observations, the concept of a pantry. In the US, we have these giant pantries. In France, you may not even have a pantry. I'm gonna move and show you mine if you're watching. That door over there, which has just like a few shelves, probably a 200 year old door, that's our pantry. But our pantry also holds all of our food equipment, like a processor and a tea kettle, uh, as well as our plates, forks, etc., as well as our pantry. So there ain't much going on in that pantry. Also a difference is shopping frequency. So when we're here, we shop pretty much every day, every other day, something like that. Part of it's we ain't got no pantry to put anything in it, but also it's just a fresh food culture. Another thing I have coined is DWE. I say this to clients all the time, doing while eating. French people do not sit at their computer and type out stuff and, and, and down lunch or dinner for that matter they actually take a pause to eat. And this is not just French, this is European and many cultures around the world. When I worked for Symington Family Estates, which is the, I would argue, most important and largest landowner, most important producer of port, largest landowner, I reveled at how all of the company management came together at a long table for lunch every day. This is also where they were hosting people from around the world for business. But they would host those people and then sit around and talk about the day together. They took the time, probably an hour and a half per day, which would seem excessive by any American standard for lunch, to conduct business in a very relaxed manner. And yes, of course, with a little bit of wine. So it's the opposite of doing while eating. Also, I would say, and I did, this is aforementioned regarding what we're spending on food versus just using the French as an example. We got bass backwards priorities, y'all. We're willing to spend all kind of money on iPhones, cable, you name it, whatever, whatever thing. 
but we want cheap food, cheap food. So the cheapest eggs, that's what I'm going to put in my cart. I'm not saying that everyone needs to buy super expensive pastured eggs, organic eggs, which are, by the way, the most nutrient dense and the best for you. But what I'm saying, it's more of a mindset shift. We're going to spend a ton of money on technology and vehicles and pantries and homes and whatever else, but we want dirt ass cheap food. Like that's wrong. Remember, food is information for every cell in your body. The accountants call it garbage in, garbage out. So just something to think about. We also have our modern living, which is including do and while eating, but it's all manner of just behavior and activities and not sitting at a table to even eat, eating in front of a couch, eating in front of a computer. We eat sugar bomb breakfasts. Cereal is one of the worst offenders. Highly, highly processed food, usually filled with sugar. It's quick. It hits the bloodstream and it sets off the blood sugar roller coaster for the day. And then, you know, it's hard for me to choose a worst, but freaking snacking, y'all. Americans, I have seen one study that said we eat 18 plus times a day. Now that's including putting anything other than water in your mouth. But every morsel that goes in counts as eating because it elevates blood sugar and then produces an insulin response to mitigate that. This snacking and eating around the clock bullshit is, again, it's the blood sugar roller coaster. This is so not done in France. France has these, they have plenty of cadre for everything. Cadre is like a framework. Okay, so you can have freedom within this framework. This is beautifully detailed if you want to think about sort of cultivating your children, uh, bringing up bébé or French Kids Eat Everything. These are great books, but this uh, around elevating children and um, in general and in particular to food for those two books. Um, but this cadre idea is like the French will have something in the morning for adults, it's usually coffee. For kids, it's a little breakfast. But there's just times where we eat. So noon is the lunch hour. Roughly eight o'clock is the dinner hour. There's no snacking in between. There's no movement of meals. The only real difference would be maybe the Sunday lunch, where you spend so much time eating lunch that you don't need dinner. Um, but there's just there's a, a method and a time that things are done. So if this is at all intriguing to you, you can find much more of this in my Nourishment Mindset book. I'm going to leave you here to wrap up this whole culture française with a quote from an 18th century gastronome, author, and lawyer. His name, Jean Briat Savarin. He said, tell me what you eat, and I will tell you who you are. So that does it for this episode of the Nourishment Mindset Podcast. Please like, share, and review. And as I said last time, if you'd like to go on Apple or Spotify and review this podcast, I will happily send you a signed copy of the Nourishment Mindset or even gift that to someone else who you think maybe would like it. If you have a topic or even a question you'd like me to address on the show, I would love to do that. Just send it to me, favorfat at gmail.com. You can connect with me on Instagram at Nourishment Mindset, YouTube at Nourishment Mindset, also favorfat.com, which is my nutrition and health consulting practice. 
And at this time, I will say bonne nuit, au revoir, et à bientôt. I am glad that you are a listener or a viewer. I really appreciate any feedback you may have. And uh, I toast you. Au revoir.